morning, church. Hey, let me just extend our pastor's welcome. We're so glad that you're here with us in the house of the Lord. And if I could just say from the bottom of my heart, I'm so proud of you for prioritizing the word of God in your life. I know it's a busy season, but thank you from the bottom of our hearts for being here. In fact, let's go to our God in prayer asking for him to meet us right now. Well, Father God, we come before you. God, and I thank you that Christmas is all about you coming to us. And so we make that our prayer right now. Father, would you meet with us? God, would you speak to us? Would you teach us a new thing we pray, O oh Lord? For if you do not speak, absolutely nothing of any significance will have happened. So come Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. Our attention is on you. It's in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus that everybody said together, amen, amen. We're in our Sounds of Christmas series where week one was centered around joy to the world, as we spoke about how we can have joy in this season. Now week two was themed around New Hope's original song, Rejoice, one of my favorites, where Pastor Adam taught us that our reason to rejoice is because God sent his one and only son to purchase salvation for us. And today's song is Mary, Did You Know? And it makes me wonder, have you ever known about something but when you looked back, you realized that you really didn't know. You ever been there? Like maybe you knew this season was gonna be busy. You just didn't know it would be this busy. Or maybe you knew last Christmas that your in-laws could get a little bit hectic, but you didn't realize just how capable your family was at acting crazy. <laughs> maybe you knew of these things, but when you looked back, you realized that you really didn't know. A few years ago, a small team and I were leading a kids camp with about 300 children. Now church, talking about sounds, okay, let me just say, you have not lived until you've been surrounded by the sound of 300 children in one place without their parents. It was a madhouse. There were children everywhere. And I remember there was this one moment when a leader came and said something you never wanna hear when being in charge of children. She said, hey, I can't find one of my campers. We were outside and I took them all inside for the head count and now I don't know where one of them went. So we all spread out to go look for this child and I go outside to notice that not too far off in the distance is a playground. And as I turn the corner, I notice that behind the fence is this large white van parked at an angle. So like the private investigator that I am, I walked over to get a closer look when all of the sudden this gardener man appears from behind the van door saying, whom are you seeking? Y'all, this man really said whom? <laughs> like we're living in the King James version of the world. So I look at him, freaked out, before taking a step back saying, nobody? Because how many of you know in the movies, it's always the gardeners with the creepy white fans, okay? So he looks at me and I look at him and then he goes, well, if you're looking for a second grade boy, I saw him leave with his mother about an hour ago. Now church, I was looking for a second grade boy, but I'm not about to tell the creepy gardener man with the white van all that. So I looked at him and I said, okay, thanks. Before I took off towards the building to go back inside. All the leaders come up to me and they say, Abby, do you know what happened to the boy? And I said, no, I still don't know. So a few moments go by before another leader comes to ask what's going on. I fill her in and then she goes, oh yeah. No, I was the one to speak with that boy. Yeah, he left over an hour ago with his mom. 
Great. So you mean to tell me the creepy gardener man with the white van knew all along? Have you ever known of something, but when you looked back, you realized that you really didn't know? And today, we're studying the life of a young girl named Mary. And maybe you know of her. She became pregnant with the savior of the world as a virgin while bethroned to a man named Joseph. Now, because of the perplexities of her life story, Mary is someone who has fascinated people for ages. So much so that in 1984, a song was written and later produced in 1991, whereas of now, over 100 diverse artists have sung this song while asking this complex question, Mary, did you know? Did you know this baby boy you've been given would one day walk on water? Did you know that he has come to save our sons and daughters? Did you know he would give sight to a blind man or calm the storm with his hand? Mary, did you know that this little baby you've been given has come to make you new? And one day he too will soon deliver you. Did you know, Mary? That's why today I want us to unpack the legacy of Mary's life as we lean into these three different ideas that we can learn from her. Because maybe you're here today and you're aware of some situations happening in your life and yet you don't know how it is God's gonna come through. Maybe for you, you're wrestling with some failed expectations. It's almost the end of the year and you thought you'd be there by now. And you're reminded how different last year looked because that person so close to you was present and now they're gone. You thought things would look different this year. Or maybe you're in the midst of some really difficult family tensions and you don't know whether or not that person's even gonna come home for Christmas. Or you're the one here and you're debating if you even wanna go home for the holidays. Maybe your finances are a wreck or it's the new health diagnosis, that loneliness you feel. You know of these things and yet you do not know how it is that God's gonna come through. But I believe, as we sit in our scripture with Mary, there are some things that she can teach us in this. So if you're taking notes today, here's the first thing, get ready to write this one down. Be available to God. Be available to God. See, when we open up the Gospel of Luke, we're introduced to two different pregnancy announcements, both being told by an angel named Gabriel. Gabriel first appears to a man named Zachariah, and he tells him that although his wife Elizabeth is barren, they will soon get pregnant with a son whom they will name John. So Zachariah looks at the angel and he asks, how could this be since both he and his wife are an older couple? So in response to his unbelief, the angel comes and mutes the mouth of Zachariah. Now, Let's take this one pregnancy announcement and compare it to the second announcement we see is given to Mary. In that same chapter in God's word, we see six months later, Gabriel visits Mary and he says this. Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at this saying. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, 
And of his kingdom, there'll be no end. And Mary said to the angel, well, how will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. For nothing will be impossible with God. Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And then the angel departed from her. So let's unpack this to get context together. See, Gabriel is an angel being sent by God. In fact, the Bible only mentions three angels by name, one of them being Gabriel, along with Lucifer, the fallen angel, and then Michael, the archangel. But what sets apart Gabriel is anytime he appears, he's always bringing this message about the upcoming Messiah. Once he appeared to Daniel regarding a vision of the coming savior, twice was with Zechariah, and now we see this instant with Mary. Gabriel visits both Zechariah and Mary and he tells them about this prophecy of a pregnancy that would be happening soon. Zechariah goes mute while Mary gets a conversation with the angel. Why? What's the difference? It's because Mary was available. Notice in verse 18 when Zechariah is speaking with the angel, he says, how shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife is advanced in years. Period. Do you see it? Zechariah responds with a question followed by circumstance that ends with a period. But Mary, look at this. Notice the difference. She responds with a question as she remains open, saying, how shall this be since I am a virgin? One asked and ended in a period, while another asked the question and remained available. Mary was open to accepting God's call. And you see, I love Mary because my whole life, all I've ever wanted to be was one thing, and that was to become a mom. So much so that I said this all the way up until my senior year of high school, until the career fair people came in and broke my heart by saying, honey, I'm sorry, you gotta pick something on the website. <laughs> to which I replied, well, I guess ministry will do. Give me a Bible. But I've always been so fascinated by the mother of our Messiah. But if it were me, and an angel of the Lord appeared to me to tell me that I'd be having a baby, well, I'd probably have a whole lot more questions besides how could this be. For one, studies show that Mary was between the ages of 13 and 18 years old. So if I'm Mary, I feel like one of my first questions would probably be, God, are you really sure you wanna give the savior of the world to me? I'm only a young girl. I've never even had a baby. I mean, Sharon down the street, she's got three kids, God, and they're in private school. <laughs> I feel like they're a much safer family to put the savior of the world into. I feel like I'd probably reply by saying, God, are you really sure you meant to choose me? And for some of you, that's your story right now. As this year comes to a close, you could be asking that very same question, God, did you really mean to pick me? God, why am I here? God, why are we still in this season? Really God, me and this family? And I need you to know that God has you exactly where you're supposed to be. 
God chose you. If someone could have raised your kids better than you, guess what? He would have given your children to Sharon down the block, but he didn't. God chose you. If that position wasn't for you, God would have chosen someone else for the job. And if you didn't belong in that place, well, the door would have shut a long time ago. But God chose you and God's placement doesn't happen by an accident. The angel looked at Mary and he said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. See, when we study this text, we see that the Greek word for favor used here is charis, which means grace. Mary had favor, but she still stood in fear when the angel approached her. You can have favor and still fear, but know that God's grace is able to cover you. And favor has a cost. Mary knew as a pregnant virgin that people were probably gonna be speaking about her. Rumors of her character followed Jesus around his whole entire life. But Mary remained available, accepting God's call so that he could accomplish the work within her because she knew that God was conceiving something in her that only the two of them could see. See, you have to be willing to be alone with God while he conceives things only the two of you can see. Not everybody's gonna understand it. And that's okay, because it's between your savior and you. See, Mary asking the angel, how could this be? It didn't fracture her favor, but rather it blessed the heart of God even greater. See, one of the greatest gifts that we can give to our God is our trust. He doesn't need it, but it blesses his heart when we place it upon him. And Mary didn't know it all, but she did have trust. And it's what allowed her to remain available. In his book, Ruthless Trust, Brennan Mayen says, to trust God is to be convinced of the reliability of God. See, you have history with your God. As we were just singing that song, Made a Way, I bet you can recall all the times in which God has made a way for you. So tell them to your next mountain. God has been too faithful to you to let you down now. Mary didn't know it all, but she had trust. And it's what allowed her to say, behold, I'm the servant of the Lord, so let it be to me according to your word. Here's the second thing that Mary teaches us. Mary teaches us to respond in remembrance. After Mary responds to the angel with trust in that verse of scripture we just looked at together, immediately the word of God continues on. And it says, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb. She exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among young women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord shall come to me? Blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. See, New Hope, when I studied this passage of scripture, something stood out in this Christmas story that I never noticed before that blessed my life. Mary has just been told she's been chosen by God. She's available, she becomes pregnant, and then the angel leaves. And Mary is left all alone. And I wonder if you can relate. 
Have you ever had a moment when you felt like you encountered God? You heard his voice, you experienced him on a Sunday, and then life happened. The night got lonely, someone said something, you looked around to see what others have that you still do not, and now you are beginning to question what it is that God has already told you in the first place. But no matter the circumstance, it's our response that matters most. And I imagine Mary, after just having had a conversation with the angel, is now standing there all alone. And I don't know about you, but when this happens to me, I'm a typical female overthinker. I start to spiral. Mary's probably thinking, I'm about to have a baby. She hasn't even told her fiance Joseph yet. She's probably wondering how in the world am I gonna keep his trust? We've never even touched. And if Joseph walks away, well then what are other people gonna say? And I imagine that this is the moment when Mary starts to recall all it was that the angel already told her to begin with. Do you remember what he said? She's probably thinking, when I asked the angel, how could this be? What did he tell me again? Oh yeah, he told me, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. Oh yeah, he told me Elizabeth was pregnant. See, Luke chapter one tells us that no one knew of Elizabeth's pregnancy because she kept herself hidden. This is something that only the angel of the Lord could have revealed to Mary. So Mary's response is to run in haste to go and see the promise for herself. Mary's response is one of remembrance. The angel may have walked away, but she's recalling all it is that he has said. Are you recalling what it is that God has already told you in his word? Or is the soundtrack of worry running rampant in your life? The angel didn't come and sit and tell Mary every single next step, but he did give her a glimpse into God's glory as she remained available to God. And see, God will do the same thing for you. He will place you on that person's heart. He will just so happen to have you hear that song with those lyrics that you need. He will give you that scripture to hold on to. See, Mary is in the process before the promise. She knows she's pregnant with the son of the most high. The angel already told her. She knows that God is gonna accomplish great things within her, but she doesn't know what all of this is gonna entail. She doesn't see footsteps nine and 10. She is just enough as she takes the next step as she responds in remembrance. So where do you go when the angel walks away? When your health declines again? When it's another year of the prodigal not coming home? See, Mary has sat in the presence of God first and now her next response is of great significance. She runs to Elizabeth because Elizabeth knows what it's like to receive a seemingly impossible promise from God. Remember, the angel also appeared to her husband, Zachariah. And what I love is that according to culture, Mary is too young, while Elizabeth is too old. But God knew that they would both need each other. So Mary runs to the one who can relate to her. 
Mary runs to the one who's more seasoned than her. Keep in mind, Elizabeth is six months pregnant while Mary has just conceived. And Mary runs to the one who encourages her, who says, even the baby in my womb acknowledges the son of God that is living inside of you. And Elizabeth ends her time with Mary by building her up, by saying one of my favorite verses in the Bible, blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Elizabeth reminds Mary saying, you know what it is that God has already told you. Keep believing for it. So where do you go when the angel walks away? Who reminds you of truth? Who battles in prayer with you? Who calls out what's in you? Who leaves a note on your desk just to let you know that they're thinking of you? You see, recently at New Hope, we had a beautiful woman of God pass away from cancer. Her name was Catherine, and she served during the week on our NH Kids prep team. And her daughter Misha and her grandson Grady planned a beautiful celebration of life to honor her. There was not one dry eye in this entire room. Later that same week, I was walking through the halls of New Hope when I stumbled upon Misha sitting at the prep team table during the week. Now I didn't know that Misha had also served alongside of her mom, and guess what, New Hope, she didn't. Misha had stepped in that day as a way to honor her mom because she knew that that little prep team of women were the ones encouraging her mother in her last days. So in Misha's heartache, she chose to remember her mom by stepping into that place to serve and surrounding herself with the very ones who were there for her mother. See, Misha to me is an example of what it looks like to respond in remembrance. And our responses matter. So allow this to be a reminder to respond in remembrance to the God who already told you he is for you. See, Mary teaches us many things, but here's the last thing, and it's my favorite. Mary teaches us to treasure the moments. Treasure the moments. The word of God tells us that Mary remains with Elizabeth for three more months, meaning it's right up until the birth of John, right before Jesus is about to be born to Mary. And you know, you probably heard about the birth of Jesus before, whether you heard about it in church or in a song or even from Linus on Charlie Brown. You probably heard how there were shepherds in the field by night and the glory of the Lord shone around them and great awe fell upon them. And an angel of the Lord came to them and said, greetings for I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you this day a savior has been born who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign for you. You'll find the baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. But what captivates my attention the most is what's noted of Mary as she sits beside the manger scene. The text says that as the shepherds came and told her all it was that God had told them regarding her precious son, that Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Mary did what? She treasured. And what I find so sweet about this phrase is this is something that Mary is known for doing because the same statement appears later on in scripture. It happened much later in Jesus' life when he was about 12 years old. Mary and Joseph brought him to Jerusalem for Passover. 
And on their way home, they realized they couldn't find Jesus because they had left him behind in Jerusalem. Parents, listen, I know it's a hard season where your kids are coming out of school because it's the holiday break, but take heart, you didn't leave them in another town. Even though you may have wanted to, you didn't. And so three days go by. And Mary and Joseph, they find Jesus sitting in the temple talking with the teachers who were amazed at his knowledge. Mary goes up to Jesus and tells him how much stress his absence has caused. And Jesus replies by saying, well, didn't you know I must be in my father's house before taking her by the hand and become obedient to her in all things the word have said. And it says, yet again, and his mother Mary treasured up all these things in her heart. See, Mary didn't know it all. There was no way she could have fully known. She knew Jesus would be called son of the most high as Gabriel told her. She knew he was special having been conceived by the Holy Spirit. She was aware of the past promises spoken to Abraham as shown in her song in Luke chapter one. She probably had an idea of the uniqueness of Jesus and the calling God had upon his life. But there was no way she could have grasped it all standing there in the present place, which is why she treasured. Mary couldn't have known when losing her son in the temple for three days, just what great symbolism that number three would have later on in his life. She couldn't have seen years ahead a frightful Peter's face of relief as he gripped the hand of her son while walking upon the waters. She couldn't have known that Jesus would create a holy moment for a woman standing in the midst of her greatest shame when others were ready to stone her. She couldn't have seen him giving sight to the blind man or calming the storm by his hand. But she did know that she could treasure the moments. And I believe that day of losing her son in the temple had a great impact on her. Because for 12 years, she was aware of raising God's promised chosen son. And yet everyday life caused her to miss the moments that she just walked on ahead without Jesus. Mary didn't know it all, but she could sense that her son was set apart. And so she learned to pause and treasure the moments, even in the midst of the unknown. See, so often we've been trained to skip to the promise. It's a result of living in a post-Christ world. We know he's gonna die, but he'll rise again. We know the walls are gonna fall, the giant's gonna get slayed, the enemy will be defeated. Yeah, there's a teen pregnancy, but have no fear, the savior of the world's here. We're so quick to jump to the promise that we miss out on what God's trying to teach us in the process. So when we're the ones going through a hard time, we can begin to question, well, where is God? He must not be present in my life. And yet we forget that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't see another in the fire when they first walked in. We forget that when Moses parted the Red Sea, it didn't happen in an instant. But rather the scripture said all that night, Moses lifted his arms above the water and even then his arms grew tired. We forget that just last month, we spent the whole month of November talking about how long Joseph had to wait for the promise. 
And do you know who Joseph had that waiting in common with? He had the waiting in common with Abraham and Sarah and David. You need me to go on? Modern day Christianity has taught us to panic when God has us in the midst of a process. But what if like Mary, you're called to trust God and treasure the moments, even when you don't know how it's all gonna work out. See, Mary didn't know, and neither do you and I. So we might as well live every day being available to God in the places he has us in, while we respond in remembrance during our hardship, and not forgetting to treasure the moments that he surrounds us with. So as we close today, I wanna leave you with this scripture from Ecclesiastes chapter three. Here in the word, it tells us that God has placed eternity into a human heart, yet no one can fathom all that God will do from beginning to end. And yet it tells us that he has made everything beautiful in its time. God will make it beautiful just in its time. So will you choose and all you have yet to see to meet him in the process as you await for the promise. Would you stand up with me to your feet as we go to our God in prayer? Well, God, we come before you. God, and we thank you. While we can't go back to the beginning and while we can't leap into the future, your scripture tells us that you are a very present father who's aware of our circumstance. You're aware of how we're feeling right here in this moment when it comes to the holiday season. You're aware of the circumstances that we're gonna face this week. And you are the God who has never left us nor forsake us, not even once. And so we ask God that here right now, you would help us to be available in the places that you have us in. Help us to remember to respond in remembrance as we recall that not even once have we ever been forsaken. And God, teach us to treasure the moments as we throw up our gratitude to you, knowing that you are the God who will always come through. God, it's why we worship you. It's why we praise you. You are the only one worthy of it. So be enthroned on the praises of your people today, God. We love you and we praise you. It's in Jesus' name that we all said together, amen. amen.